of Gabriel Talks Football, the focus being offensive linemen. And before I bring him in, I want to let you know that all of the previous Gabriel Talks Football shows here on YouTube are archived. So all you got to do is go to the Barroom Network YouTube channel and look for the playlist that says Gabriel Talks Football, and they are all there. Prefer to listen to them on audio while you're driving around and so forth? Well, then all you got to do is go to podbean.com, uh, and here's what you do. Go to Podbean and go to the Barroom Network. Boy, we've done 1,773 episodes here on the Barroom Network since we've been around. Not bad, huh? And just uh, scroll down to the search button and type in here, Gabriel Talks Football. And then when you hit search, what will happen miraculously because technology is so awesome. There they all are. Gabriel Talks Football, Bears Defensive Line, Bears Camp Battles, Bears OTAs, on and on into infinity because we've done so many great shows here. So that's an easy way to access all of Greg's shows. Let me bring him in now. Great, Gabriel. How are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. How are you? Wow, man. How much did that hat cost you? Because that's a beauty. <laughs> uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good on you. Yeah, you left it here. <laughs> and by the way, as I was watching the open of the show, um, I said to myself, holy cow, the next time we roll that open. All of those new pictures I shot of you are going to replace all of those pictures of you from, uh, what was that, 2019, uh, those pictures of you at the XFL? 2020. 2020. So we'll have a brand new open for our next uh, show whenever that is. And welcome to all the people who have joined this live. You know what, uh, Greg, let's get right into this because I know we've only got about 60 to 70 minutes for today's show. So let's get right into the meat of this show, which is the offensive lineman. There's been a lot of talk about this offensive line looks putrid uh, to hopeful talk. Where are you right now after all the information that you've gathered, after what you've seen and heard? Where are you at with the status of this offensive line? You know, I'm going to give you a totally honest answer. Nobody knows. <laughs> That's exactly it's real simple. We can end the show now. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to try to get anything out of OTAs and minicamp when it comes to offensive and defensive linemen, then you're some sort of miracle worker because they don't hit. They don't do what offensive and defensive linemen do, which mm -hmm. is the physical part of the game. You can learn a lot about your DBs, your linebackers, your running backs, your wide receivers, your quarterback, linemen, forget it. Mm. it it's, it's a waste of time to even talk. And, and you know, there's all that making a big deal about Tevin Jenkins is running with the twos. And now, you know, Braxton Jones is running with the ones. It means nothing mm -hmm. until pads come on and they actually start playing football. And then you're going to find out, you know, what, what they do when they run around in shorts and what they do with pads are two different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to discount what Braxton Jones has shown 
as far as athleticism and ability to pick up a scheme, but it's not playing football. Right. Exactly. You know, it's trying to say, you know, go, coming from the combine that a guy's going to be a first round pick or a second round pick or a third round pick. And, and the media has a great way to say, Oh, this guy moved up three rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then draft comes and then they, they forget that they said that and the guy goes where he's supposed to go. So mm-hmm. let's wait another five weeks until training camps open five and a half weeks. And actually, it'll be another week after that because of the new ramp-up period they have in the NFL. There won't be pads for that first five practices. Mm-hmm. And and then we'll uh, we'll find out who's a player and who isn't a player. And mm-hmm. whoever lines up for the first day of pads, that means nothing, too. Okay. Because they're at, at this at that point, they're still evaluating. Uh, and- right, right. And and let me let me add this, because because <laughs> you know, people in the media want to make a big deal out of this. Personally, I laugh at it every time I hear it, it is that you know, Flew said this is what they were going to do. And then the other day, he said, we said for the first six practices, we we're going to have one lineup. And then for the next six, we we're going to have another lineup. <laughs> Guess what? That's what they did. I, I, there's one thing I like about this guy. He doesn't bullshit you. Yes, I totally agree. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And then and, and people want to make a thing about it. I saw one thing on Twitter. Well, this may be the reason, you know, Tevin Jenkins missed a, 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 a block and pass protection. How did he miss a block when you can't hit anybody? <laughs> That's right. This is you, know, awesome. you can go like this and you can you, you can pretend but but his game and, and I'm not trying to praise Te- Tevin Jenkins, we'll find out. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll find out just when the co- at the same time the coaching staff will find out. But his game is physicality. Go back and watch his college tape. Great point. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He's a very physical player. Mm-hmm. And when they start playing football, then again we'll find out. You know, there, there, there was a lot of stuff going on earlier in the week with my good buddy Olin, and you know what what he perceives as as a starting offensive line and he's got Lucas Patrick at, at guard and Sam Mustafer at center. Well, if, if Lucas Patrick was going to play guard, he'd be practicing at least some at guard just for the movement part and, mm-hmm. and, and learn to play. They brought him in to be a center. And when you watch his tape from last year at green Bay, mm-hmm. he's not good. He's real good. Mm. It's like he's one of the most underrated centers in the league. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss very many blocks, if any. Yeah, especially like why is he not getting? Why didn't he get a bigger contract? And why doesn't he get more notoriety? That guy is really a hell of a football player. That's great. Of course, I mean, you know, the the center position, you got to be a smart guy, and he went to Duke, so Mm -hmm. that tells you something. Patrick Manley may, you know. May want to fight about that. But. <laughs> well, after uh, Monday's or, or Tuesday's press conference, uh, Iberflus was talking about, you know, I told you guys we're going to move the offensive linemen around and so forth. And so what happens at today's press conference? He gets asked the same things. And so in, in this po- uh, soundbite that I pulled, he was asked about Tevin Jenkins. Will he get a look at the guard position? Yeah, so, t- so Tevin's right now at the right tackle, and that's what he's focusing on. Um, you know, like, like we said yesterday, there could be switches, you know, after, after this segment of the offseason leading into training camp. So we're just taking it day by day. We'll have a big meeting tomorrow um, with Ryan and the staff 
with all the coaches to re just reassess the whole roster uh, before uh, the, the players and the coaches go on break. Um, that'll be a, a real good meeting for us, and uh, we'll, we'll see where he is from there. It's basically what you just said uh, and what he's been saying. <laughs> They're gonna they want to look at everybody, and and and, and Jenkins will eventually get a look at, at guard, don't you think? You know, I, I I don't have the answer to that. He may, mm -hmm. and, and not that hard to move from tackle to guard. It's harder to go from guard to tackle mm -hmm. because you're playing more on air, and right. and you've got an open side to, to your one side. If it's the left side. You're open on the left side. If it's the right side, you're open on the right side. And especially in, in today's football, where very seldom do you have that wide tight end in there. Usually they got him flexed out or he's a wingback or whatever. So you don't have that help that you used to have years ago. So uh, we'll find out. I, you know, I've been saying I thought, well, okay. It, it didn't shock me that Braxton Jones has shown something. And I've been saying for weeks that it wouldn't shock me if he's if, if he is the starting left tackle and that Borum goes to right guard and Tevin Jenkins is at right tackle. But mm -hmm. when you think about the athleticism, and I just really was thinking about this more today after I was listening to the presser today, is that the guards in this particular offense, and if you look at at, at Green Bay's offense, they gotta be they gotta be able to play in space and they gotta be able to move good, adjust on the move get to the second level, hit a moving target. And the better athlete between Borum and Tevin Jenkins is Tevin Jenkins. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just look at the the, the numbers from the, from the different tests, the three-cone, 20-yard shuttle, et cetera, and that'll tell you that, you know, he's a superior athlete and his vertical jump is outrageous. But vertical jump doesn't have much to do. It's explosiveness. It doesn't have much to do with with – playing in space, but you know, we'll find out. I don't know who those starting lineups going to be. Mm -hmm. None of us do as far as, as the offensive line. I'm yeah, I know one Lucas Packer is going to be at, at center. Probably uh, Cody Whitehair is going to be at left guard. After that, we'll find out in another couple months. What did you think about Olin's contention that by the middle of the season, the defensive line is going to be the problem and the offensive line uh, won't be an issue? Uh, yeah, he's an offensive lineman. Of course he's going to say that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, I, I get a kick. These guys are getting killed. They're better than what people are saying. I think they're going to be well coached. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I like Juan Castillo. I've known Juan for a long time. I don't mm -hmm. think he's a very good line coach. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and what he wants to do, like he could, he could not coach this line right now in this scheme because that's not what he does. Yeah. He wants physical. Uh, uh, he he wants, you know, these guys are real big. They, they lack movement skills, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is the opposite. Yeah. You, you've got to have some movement skills and, and, you know, Juan has been that way wherever he's been. And, and that's fine. That's his philosophy. But this is a different philosophy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, speaking of that, uh, Braxton Jones had a press conference today. You said earlier uh, that Eberflus tells it like it is. Well, Braxton does as well. I love this guy's demeanor. In fact, it, just about every player that has met with the media, I really appreciate their candor and their authenticity. This is Braxton being asked, what do you need to improve on? 
Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing, just my transition from even uh, college to the NFL or college to the Senior Bowl to the NFL um, and just in these OTAs is throwing my hands. Um, in college, I you know, was really reserved with my hands and I didn't use my long arms to my advantage. So I would say that's one of the big things. And still to this day, I mean, I still got to work on them. Um, they're a big thing for me and they're going to help me be very, you know, really good in this league. And so um, I just think the biggest thing with them is being more consistent, but they've gotten better. How, how, how specifically have you, have you worked on that and who's helped you with that the most? Uh, uh, definitely Coach Morgan. Uh, he's been a big influence on that, just throwing them babies, um, letting them go. They're long, just letting them go. Um, you know, and he's just harping on me, and I love it because it, it is a big thing. I notice when I, when I punch them, get them off the, get them off their spot. It, it's it's huge. Um, it helps me um, just recover, do anything. So just using those hands. But he's been a main influence in you know coaching me and being good about that, staying on me. I'm in love with this guy. Well, I tell you, he's very well spoken. Yeah, you know, and a very articulate kid. But with those little clips, there's only two clips that you played. You played a couple times, but you can see some things that's faulty in in mm -hmm. his technique. And one, he's too wide with his hands. Right. And and so then he got he has to bring him. I wish we could do the whole thing in here. Let me back up a little bit here, maybe. Sure. He has him out here, and then you got to then he brings him in here. Well, what he's going to be taught at the NFL level is he's going to start here instead of out here. And that split second can mean the difference between the defensive uh, man getting his hands on you or you're getting your hands on him first. So from the snap, you're coming up here and you're punching from here. You're not punching from out here. You, uh, you had told me that one of the things that you like scouting the most is offensive linemen, right? Yeah, no, I love I I love doing offensive linemen. I train when I was at with the Bears. I'd I'd spend more time watching the offensive line than probably any other position because you mm -hmm. just learn so much. That's where football begins, mm -hmm. and it's the defensive you know the defensive side too. That's what you love to watch. And Marinelli was was coaching the defensive line, and he, in my opinion, is the best defensive line coach I've ever been around. Interesting. Well, let's take a look at uh, this uh, very cheap graphic that I put together. <laughs> this is the uh, current roster at uh, mandatory minicamp that the ChicagoBears.com had up. I transferred over to this ugly-looking graphic. It's Larry Borum, Jatiri Carter, Sean Coleman, Julian Davenport, the veteran, Jean Delance, Dakota Dozier left on a cart, uh, so we don't know the extent of that. Uh, injury. A lot of fans have been on the Dieter Iceland uh, bandwagon, hoping that he gets an opportunity. He, of course, played overseas and now uh, is here in the States. Tevin Jenkins, Braxton Jones, two familiar names. A lot of people are high on Doug Kramer, the youngster, the rookie. Sam Mustafer, of course, Olin Krutz's favorite. Lucas Patrick, Latavius Simmons, Zachary Thomas. Uh, I think uh, 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 Jordan Silveria loves uh, Zachary Thomas and then Cody Whitehair and then a new guy that I have never heard of, Willie Wright. Any of these names? Uh, kind well, of Willie's, Willie's been there. The whole, I think he was actually here at the end of last season on the practice squad. Okay. Um, no, I mean, you got the group. Yeah, there's one. Uh, yeah, you know, you got Sean Coleman in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Sean, to me, is I, I liked him coming out. Played left tackle at Auburn, played right tackle in the NFL. He started games, but I think he's really when it when it gets down to it, he's a camp body. Uh, I, I can't see him 
beating out Julian Davenport because Davenport's got experience in the NFL on both sides. I think he might end up being your third tackle. And you're going to have guys uh, like Larry Borm and, and Tevin Jenkins, depending on who the starters are, that they're going to be guys that can play more than one position. You know, Larry, you know, Larry can play on the left side and on the right side. You know, Tevin can play on the left side and on the right side. One of those guys, if not both of those guys, will probably play some guard once uh, the pads come on mm-hmm. in August. And uh, then we'll find out, you know, what's going to happen. I think the sleeper guy in there, and only because I, I, I love his physicality, uh, I like his strength, I like his size and his athleticism, is uh, Simmons. Okay. But raw, you know, he played at Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he had the greatest coaching there. He played like four different positions, both guard positions, both tackle positions at Tennessee State. I know, and he got thrown to the Wolves last year. He was practicing inside. Then all of a sudden, he's got to go into a game and play right tackle. He wasn't ready for it. He hadn't practiced in the position. He got eaten up for a couple sacks, maybe three sacks in a game. And so, you know, people are going to be down on him. But I, I look at the talent. I, yeah, yeah, he had four games. So what? You know, but that that part of that goes on the coaching staff for not having him ready. If he's going to be a backup on game day at right tackle, then he's got to practice at right tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and here's what happens when you get to uh, game day. Now, generally speaking, the rule of thumb was you kept eight offensive linemen and then you got your snapper. Now it's gone up to nine offensive linemen and you have your snapper. But for the most part, you only dress seven. Mm-hmm. And six and seven might not necessarily be your sixth and seventh best offensive lineman. They're your most versatile offensive lineman because they got to, if, if there's an injury, they got to be able to get you out of the game. So they have to be able to play more than one position. You got to have a guy that can play center and guard. You got to have a guy who can play left tackle, right tackle, and guard. So they got that that's going to be your number six and number seven on, on Sunday, even if somebody else is a better player at one particular position. Mm-hmm. Um, any, um, a- anyone here that you see as a guy who is kind of an obvious cut and could be replaced by somebody becoming available uh, during this break? Oh, yeah, you can look at uh, DeLance, Coleman, um, Willie Wright, probably right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And and take me through that process of now that there's this break, Eberflus said that he's meeting with Ryan Poles and the other coaching staff. They're going to talk about personnel. They're going to express their concerns. They're going to express where they're happy and so forth. So what happens now with the general manager and main guy uh, uh, who is going to acquire new players? Is he searching other teams' rosters? What's happening now with the pro personnel department? Vacation. <laughs> Eberflus said that he's gonna. He's got three books already picked out. Spend time with his daughters and uh, take some time off. But- you know, my first year here, so 2001, 21 years ago, mm-hmm. we didn't get the job until June. So yeah. we were here and we worked till the 4th of July. Then, uh, you know, 4th of July weekend, we went home for a few weeks and then came back for training camp. Generally speaking, 
you're that that place going to look like a ghost town mm-hmm. for the next four or five weeks. Will, will Ryan be in there when he's in town? Of course he will. But will the coaches? Probably not. Mm-hmm. They're out and about. They're on vacation. The, the next vacation they get is after the season. You know, you don't get time off. And, and you're working 14, 15-hour days. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, take a break. It's important. You're going to need it. Now, let's go to a, a, another topic only because, you know, there's the hot topic that, you know, Quinn didn't show up for mandatory minicamp, so he's right away on the training block. Well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Mm-hmm. I'd be really I'm, – I'm not going to say it can happen in the next couple of weeks, but I would doubt it would happen mm-hmm. because everybody else going on vacation too. Yeah. Right. They want a break. Okay, so can you get a hold of a guy to get to, to make a trade? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're not in the office. It, it probably takes a little longer. You know, you, you call – general manager or first of all let me back up don't call anybody wait till they call you mm-hmm. okay. the minute you make a phone call you've lost all your leverage hmm. and, you know, and so you you wait for team a to pick up the phone and say hey ryan are, are you trying to move quinn mm-hmm. because if he calls up and said Calls up Chris Ballard to see if, if, if you know, he's interested in, in uh, uh, Quinn. He's lost all the leverage right then and there mm-hmm. because he's making the phone call first. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That That's just, that's it's really football management one-on-one. Yeah. Don't give up leverage and don't make a call unless you have to. And does it help the Bears that, you know, Quinn is kind of an obvious candidate for trade meaning you know he's a veteran he's 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 not going to be with this bears team in 2023 it's highly unlikely that he's part of the rebuild uh they may want him for this season just to solidify the defensive line but so that does that give the bears an advantage and that the calls will come in and that pose doesn't have to worry about initiating a call I, you know i i honestly believe if there are calls going to be made, they're not going to be made for two months. Wow. Okay. Okay. So we're what? June 16th, June 17th, whatever the hell the day is today, 16th. And and you're going to get into training camp and, and maybe after the first week, 10 days of training camp, or maybe after the first preseason game, and you're going to say, I got a weakness or somebody gets hurt. Sometimes it's more important. Somebody gets hurt than, than, uh, then they're just in training camp or they see a weakness, then they're going to say, hey, this guy could be available. Mm-hmm. But you want to get the most that you can. Now, could that be a player or a draft choice? Or could be both? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a combination of a, a, a player. You don't, you're not, if you're going to get a player, you're not going to get as, as high a pick because you're getting a player with it. Or maybe they're, you're going to have a straight up player for, player trade, which you don't see many of mm-hmm. in, in the National Football League. But, you know, that could be a situation, too. It's wait and see. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be it's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. I'd be shocked. I mean, could it? Yeah, could. But I'd be totally shocked because that just some teams are already closed up shop. They, they got done last week. 
and they got uh, on vacation signs on the doors, right? <laughs> right. Get the hell out of town, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, you need a break. Oh, for sure. And and you can't be, and and you are you're on vacation, but you're working too. I mean, you're you're still on the phone and you're thinking about things. You got to be in those positions, but still, th that monotony of going into the office every day. I remember. Again, going back to my first year here. Now, after that, we were, we shut up. We closed up shop too. We were gone. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that first year here, we're the only people in Hallis Hall. Mm. Wow. And Keep they didn't have a cafeteria to feed us then either. So you had to go oh. out to lunch. <laughs> and it's not like a restaurant's close by, you know. Um, so you uh let's let's put you head of uh, making trades for the chicago you're the general manager somebody calls and asks hey what do you want for robert quinn uh do you say a second round or third oh hell i'm gonna shoot for the moon i want first. a first okay i like that well, why 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 would i so oh i think i'll take a fourth mm -hmm. play from strength mm -hmm. and, and and say i'm not gonna make them say i don't want to give you that Mm-hmm. And I, I, even uh, I, I was going back and forth with Olin on, on Twitter, and I suggested Dalton Risner, the right guard for, of the Denver Broncos. There's words that he might be being shopped around uh, in, in August because there's a lot of depth at that position. He had his worst season of his three-year career last season, giving up five of his seven career sacks. There's a new offensive system there. And yeah, so but their system's the same as this one. Right. So if he's not a fit, if he's not a fit there, why would he be a fit here? Well, but isn't the system at Denver new because of new coaching staff? Yeah, it's new. But if what I'm saying is, is I get that if, if he doesn't fit the scheme there, why yeah. would he fit the scheme here when yeah. they're playing the same scheme? I see what you're saying. Um, but my my overall point is is that if they can get a trade where they're moving up in the draft, so. You know, you trade Quinn and you uh, get a first rounder back, but you also package a second or third rounder. Would you be interested in a scenario like that? Well, uh, you know, it's hard to throw darts at a wall on something like that because you got to say for what. Yeah. Rob you know, and until you know for what, you know, and, and, and Olin had a point because I saw that whole thread on, on Twitter mm -hmm. and he said, well, why are you going to trade a, a, a rookie on a rookie contract for a 32 year old with, you know, $12 million contract or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And, and that's a point, but he's also a rookie on the last year of his contract. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So he, be, he becomes a free agent at, at the end of the season. And. But you made an even better point when you messaged me and said, they're already stacked at that outside. Well, yeah. I, you know, they got Chubb and then they signed and gave Gregory a lot of money in free agency. So what do they want Quinn for? Yeah. Especially at, now, if, if you got Quinn at $5 million versus Quinn at, at his $12 million, wherever it is, the base salary, because they only look at the base salary. He's, any of the accrued signing bonus goes back to the Bears. Mm -hmm. and, and they they get hit on that part. So it's whatever the base contract is. That's the part that's really getting traded, and and you know I think it's around twelve. I don't know. I don't. I I'd have to open up over the cap, and I'll give them a little plug. Yeah. Um, 
They're good. You know, and, and, and see what the contract is. But um, will he get traded? Maybe. Do I think it? Maybe. I, I just don't know. I, you know, I, here's part of my thinking is this. I think they want to, before they would commit to even trading him, remember I said, you know, teams want to get to camp and, and see what they have. And I think the Bears want to see what they have. Yeah. You know, you know, you got the rookie from Miami of Ohio. He looks great running around in shorts, but he's only played defense for two years. Right. Okay, so what's he going to do when he's when he's going to go up against a a real NFL tackle with pads on, mm-hmm. and and he's got to try to rush the passer for real, not running around in shorts. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. it's 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 a different story, and and we know Travis Gibson has got some talent. We know Al Qadim Muhammad has got talent and can rush the passer. Everything after that, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Brent Murphy asked a question, was wondering, uh, is there any concern of Travis Gibson going back to a 4-3? Pace seemed to think he was better uh, better fit as a 3-4 in college. Uh, what do you think? No concerns? No. It, it, he was an edge player. And, and his main job, and in fact, you know, he, he was interviewed the other day and he said it, because I don't have to worry about dropping back in coverage anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and, and which he didn't do in college. He did a little bit. Now you can't say he never did it. He might have done it twice a game at Tulsa because I remember watching the tape and you'd see it sometimes. But most of the time his hand was in the dirt and he was coming. Mm-hmm. So now his hand's in the dirt and he's coming. And there might be times when he stands up and, and rushes the passer. Who cares? You know, it's whatever he's he's comfortable doing. And but he's not going to be dropping back coverage. Now, there could be some uh, different blitz packages they do where they do bring a linebacker and drop him into, into outside coverage and outside zone coverage. But it's going to be more far and few between than what he was doing as a 3-4 outside backer. Even though he was an edge guy, he still had – there was times when Khalil Mack dropped, when Quinn dropped, when he dropped. You know, all those guys had a drop at some point. And at, in this particular defense, their main job is getting upfield, put pressure on the quarterback. Okay. Um, we got a question here from Kenny Ray. He says, uh, and Braxton Jones mentioned him. You mentioned him earlier, the new offensive line coach, uh, Chris Morgan. What do you know about him? Uh, 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 have you ever met him or heard stories about his coaching style? No, I've never, never met him. I've you know, done some checking and he's highly thought of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, when um, he went to Atlanta, he was Atlanta when, uh, what the hell was his name? It was a coach. He's now at Dallas, the defense corner, Quinn. Uh, when he was the head coach, that was the offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. And they had some pretty good offensive lines. They went to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then that staff got fired. So last year he was the assistant offensive line coach at Pittsburgh. And then with a few games to go, the lead offensive line coach left and went to Oregon, which I believe was his alma mater. Okay. Which is kind of odd that you'd go with games still to go, but he did. And uh, he, he got elevated to the lead guy, but it was only for a couple games. Okay. Um, He's got 14 seasons of experience. So it's, he's not, he's not raw by any means. Um, I, uh, 
listen to uh, – let's talk about some other topics outside the offensive and defensive line right now. Uh, Byron Pringle met with the media, and I, again, another guy that I was super impressed with his honesty and his candor. He was asked, you know, did you come here to be a number one receiver and increase your value uh, in free agency after this season? I came here to, 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 to play at a high level, uh, execute, uh, and win, you know. And uh, whatever it take, via the blocking, kit return, gunner, whatever they need me at, I'm just trying to win. And then uh, Eberflus went on to talk about how great he is at yards after the catch, that what he has seen in camp is what they saw in tape. This guy would get the ball in his hands, and he's going to pick up yardage. How excited are you about Pringle on this roster? I, he was my, you know, I had two guys that I wanted that signed free agency, him and uh, the other guy from, from Green Bay, who ironically Kansas City has. Um, and they got Pringle. Uh, you know, you figured that would be a guy they'd go after because of the connection with Poles. He was, he, he finished this last year. He had his best season, finished the year as the number three at Kansas City. I'm sure when when he went into free agency, he had no idea that Tyreek Hill was going to get traded. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody – that might have changed his – if he knew Tyreek Hill was going to get traded, he'd probably still be sitting in Kansas City and would have re-signed with them. Yeah. This is a guy – you know, he had kind of his breakout year last year and a uh, talented guy. He had, You know, he, had, he was a late-round pick. He had to work his way up, played special teams, a damn good special teams player, and not just as a pretty good returner, he's a gunner, and he's a good gunner. You know, so now that doesn't mean if, if he's a starter here, he's probably not going to be playing gunner. But that that's one of the things that I noticed when, when they're drafting people and signing people. They got guys who've done more than one thing. There's a bunch of guys on this team that are new that – got return skills that aren't just average return skills. They were top-notch returners in college. Mm-hmm. This team is stacked with potential at that ret- those return positions. Uh, I don't think they'll be looking for any help in the free agency market this, uh, uh, this year. Um, wanted to ask you about um, uh, Matt Eberflus was asked, you know, how do you get the most out of, well, before I ask that question, because the video is still loading, you know um, the guy that came in and talked to the team, the former defensive coordinator under Lovey Smith. Uh, Marinelli. Marinelli, Rod Marinelli. What do you know about him? What can you share with people at the type of person that he's, he is? He's the best. Very intense individual. Like I said a little while ago, best defensive line coach I've been around. And I've been around some good ones. I mentioned a few times Lamar Leachman, who was at the Giants under Parcells, probably – well, for the whole time Parcells was there, so that was seven years while I was there, seven or eight years mm-hmm. uh, while I was there, and then Bill retired for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Marinelli, I mean, the one thing he he works on the most is hand use. And there was one drill they were showing the other day on, on tape. Uh, it was a bag drill where they weave their way. I don't know if you saw it you know, in between the tall bags. Missed it. And, and you know, you're using a club, so you're clubbing with this hand, and then you're coming back and you're clubbing with that hand. But 
Rod, every practice for the first 15 minutes of practice worked on nothing but hand use. You win with your hands on the defensive line mm -hmm. and quick hands and knowing how to use. And this new defensive line coach was the assistant to Rod with the Raiders last year. So he's, he's learned from the chief. And, and I'm sure that's how uh, Flus got this guy's name because Rod recommended him to him. I think he wanted Rod to come, but I think Rod said, you know, it's time to hang it up. Um, <laughs> Because he's he's not getting any younger, but you know, just a great man. He's a former Marine, Marine mm -hmm. officer, not a not an enlisted man. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, was in Vietnam. Uh, just a, you know, he's a great great leader. He, well spoken. He knows how to coach. He knows how to motivate, and he demands the best every single snap. Mm -hmm. And that's where you know. He was a defensive coordinator in Dallas when Flus came up into the NFL. And that's where Flus developed a lot of his defensive philosophy, came directly from Marinelli. So what you're seeing as a head coach is Marinelli Jr. So now somebody's going to say, well, Marinelli sucked in, in Detroit as a head coach. Well, part of that was the guy they had as a general manager who didn't, you know, Matt Millen, who didn't know what the hell he was doing. We get get hired gets hired out of the broadcast booth to run a football team, and he didn't have a freaking clue. Mm. <laughs> uh, and and Rod got stuck in the middle of that. It's awesome. And, and, and I'll tell you what. And and time you, you you know you'd go down and talk to Rod. He never said a bad thing about it. He just you know that's the kind of person he is. Mm. He is a uh, a true true nice guy. Everybody very does. very 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 loyal. Yeah. I mean, he is very like he, he. When Lovey got fired, he didn't want to stick around, but he would if um, Arians got hired. He would have stuck around. Yeah, yeah. Because he liked Arians, but you know, very, very true to Lovey. He'll he'll be very true and 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 uh, honest and faithful to Flus because they've got that connection, and that's the way he is. He's a very honorable man. All right, so what is this about? Can you share the Rod golf cart story? I, I'm not familiar with that. What is this golf cart story with? Uh, I know, oh. <laughs> we'll have to do some research on that, Tony. But Greg apparently wasn't there. And by the way, um, speaking of Ballard, um, Wolves basically paid you a compliment because he, when he was talking about Marinelli, he said, I learned this from him. I learned this from him. And from Ballard, I learned about evaluating players, player evaluation. And you hired Ballard. So indirectly, he was giving you a compliment. <laughs> that was nice when I heard that. I immediately thought of you. All right. My soundbite has loaded. Iberflus was asked about how do you get the most out of these young players because the roster has so many young players and these not journeyman players, but yeah, you, you might describe them as journeyman players who haven't reached the potential they had when they came out of college. I would say the system. So if you look back at our system from the Buccaneers to the, to the Bears, uh, to the Cowboys, to the Colts, to here, you will find that we have played young players fast and they have played very well. And um, that's what the system does. It's, it's a system where we, we rely on techniques and fundamentals in the coach-player relationship and that's important to us, and it's a partnership, and we've been able to do that. 
and I can, I'm not going to name names, but you can look them up. And it's uh, it's exciting to watch a young guy do that. We're not afraid to do that. We're not afraid to put young guys in there and let them go and let them play. And uh, so we're looking forward to our guys, you know, like a Brisker or you know, or Gordon or young guys like that stepping up in there and playing. And something about the system that makes it easier to learn is it less complicated? Is it just explained better? I mean, what's what makes it e- so easy to, to, to get into? That's a great question. I got one word: standards. That's it. Yep, that's a good question. I love that response. I love that. And this guy continues to impress me with his responses and sharing the overall strategy of how they're developing these players. It's, it's player, co- I mean, a player coach relationships. It's having high standards and on and on. I mean, I, I'm really, really impressed. If anything is giving me a lot of hope for this season that perhaps we can finish above 500 is the entire system that Poles and Eberflus are putting in there and the culture. Well, there's one thing, you know, I, I was watching that the other day when, when he said that, and he brings out Tampa Bay, you know, the system starting. And he wasn't there at Tampa Bay. He was not He was coaching in college. And, in fact, I think he was at the University of Missouri. but Or it might have been because he coached at Toledo where he went to school too. But that's he, he was really referring to Marinelli and Lovey. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Lovey was the uh, – was the linebacker coach and, and Marinelli was the line coach at Tampa Bay. And then Lovey actually went to St. Louis as the coordinator. That was his first uh, coordinator job. And then uh, when Lovey came here, you know, an interesting story is he wanted to hire Marinelli as his first coordinator. Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay said, no, see, now you can't say no to a guy you know, if you're if he's going to get an upward, upwardly mobile uh, position, you can't say no. Used to be, you know, the only thing you could say you had to say yes to was a head coach. Mm-hmm. But so Tampa Bay said no to Marinelli, and that's how we got Ron Rivera. Okay, okay. So Rivera was really the the, the second choice when when Marinelli uh, Marinelli couldn't come. But then when when um, Lovey, you know, I don't think Lovey and and, and uh, Ron ever saw totally eye to eye, and and you know, Ron being a uh, uh, eighty five bear, he was royalty, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I that might have rubbed Lovey the wrong way, and I'm not, I don't think I'm throwing shit at the wall here either. You know, I was inside <laughs> the building, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, we go to a Super Bowl and, and Ron Rivera gets replaced right after we come back, which was insane. But who do you bring in? He brings in Rod Marinelli right away because Rod was available. Hmm. By the way, you know how long um, Ron Rivera was unemployed? About 24 hours? No, I'm guessing 24 minutes. Oh, really? <laughs> that is great. He's clean, he had a job before he got done cleaning out his office. He's, he's an amazing human being and a fantastic coach. I mean, he is he's a great A quality person. Um, Tony has reminded us about the story. Let's see if you recall that you earlier on the show, and I do recall this, you shared the story about Marinelli not, because of his leg not being able to walk on the field and used a golf cart to get around on the field. Do you recall that story? Uh, well, he, he wears like these, um, what's the word I want? You, you know, like elastic socks. Okay, like um, compression? Yeah, compression type sock. Uh, he, he's got, I don't know if he's got phlebitis. He's got something 
with his lower legs mm-hmm. more, I think, his right leg than the left leg. Uh, but he 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 was not really when I was here with him. Uh, he he wasn't using the cart very much. Now he might have been in, in Dallas and might have been with the Raiders, but he 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 wasn't jogging between spots on on the field. But he was walking and he was walking at a good clip. But yeah, I think that might be part of the reason why he just doesn't want to coach anymore. It's it's hard for him to get around. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what? What was he using a cart then? No, not not that I recall. I just don't recall it at all him going from point A to point B. And if you remember down at Bourbon A, we had those four big practice fields and, you know, and, and we used, always used two of them for Mm -hmm. each practice Mm -hmm. and, you know, get from field one to field three or from field two to field four. If if you're using that, you know, those fields wasn't easy. Yeah. Now here with, with practice all the time at Hallis Hall, you know, they put in on, on the far side of uh, the Peyton Center, they put in two more practice fields a couple of years ago. Now they got four practice fields plus the indoor facility at, at uh, Hallis Hall. So you've got room to have camp here and, and not have to go down to uh, Berber Day. I got another sound bite to play for you. And this is, uh, uh, you know, there are all these stories that Fields had a rough day and this and that, although the, his last day or two, he apparently uh, reports from players and, and coaches is that he's played really well. Um, and again, we're, they're just installing offenses here. Nobody should get <laughs> crazy about this. But uh, one of the reporters asked about uh, – uh, is, is there any concern regarding the relationship between Justin Fields and these new uh, this, these uh, new receivers? I believe that when you uh, are working with a receiving core, a tight end core, a running back core in the receiving game, I just feel that it's it's a work that you got to work hand in hand. You got to know it's almost like what each other thinks, you know, because a lot of these things are option routes and reading off of coverage if I'm breaking in, breaking out, and uh, they have to be able to feel that. You know, and they got to know each other really well, and that's why it's time on task. So that's that's where I feel that Justin is with his receivers. Is just keep on time on task, and you can see him and Mooney start to gel. Him and Pringle start to gel. Him, him and you know EQ starting to gel. So it's it's a process as we go, but uh, we are um, in that process right now. And some days it looks really good. Some days we know we got to get you know work done. So uh, we're there right now. So he explains it beautifully. It's a process. Let's let's remember the whole new offense is being put in. These guys got to know their, their where they're running to. They got uh, Braxton Jones talked about the cadence being a challenge for him uh, because that, the Bears are using multiple uh, cadences, and so it, th- this is where you install all that stuff. So any report that oh this guy didn't look good or that guy didn't look good is just it, it needs context b- before you say something like that. You know, I, I read a thing on Twitter today, and it was from another team, another, and the GM was commenting commenting on something written in the paper, and he goes, "Well, you know, this time of year they got to find something to write about," and and that's exactly what it is. You got to find something to write about. Nine times out of ten, it's negative. At least around here, it is. You know, so they got to find something to complain about, something to bitch about, something that isn't going right. You know, we didn't, and it wasn't like, in all honesty, it wasn't like that when I was here. 
doing stuff. Uh, you know, he had a practice and, and people weren't questioning what was going on during OTAs because they knew what OTAs are. Mm-hmm. It's installation. It's starting to get, and, and, and especially this year, you're trying to get your team ready for training camp. Like Florio tries to make a big deal the other day and Justin Fields says, we're not ready to play a game yet. Well, no shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they made, you know, that just was re- re- presented by reporters on television and in print in such an unfair way. It made it look, they made it look like Justin Fields, you know, was was ringing an alarm and saying, we're not ready, we're not ready. And it wasn't that at all. No. It's a, we're not ready. We're getting better, but we're not ready to play a game yet. Mm-hmm. You know what? You can go to every team in the National Football League. They're going to say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's going to make headlines? Yeah. Hell no, it's not going to make headlines, especially the teams that got new coaching staffs. Yeah. yeah I was, I, you know, I, I defend uh, the Chicago media a lot, but I was uh, disappointed a couple in a couple of things. And that was one of them, you know, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to get clickbaits and all that stuff. And, but I hate it when they, when, when they're, not, they're not fair to the players because that what will then happen is the players will be less and less candid about stuff. You know, you may not never get Justin Fields immediately saying, no, I'm not comfortable. You, you might then force him into giving you gobbledygook because you haven't treated All, he, all he's doing is being honest. I'd say I was at the gym this morning. I was disappointed to get Lewis Riddick on there, who's a, who's a friend of mine. I've known Lewis a long time. And I ask you, yeah. And, uh, you know, worked with him in Philly, worked him out when he was coming out of pit. So, I mean, we've got a long uh, term relationship and, he, and he's a good guy, but now he's the worst team in the league. Now, part of that is, and, and it has to do with relationships and friendships, he's tight with Matt Nagy mm-hmm. and, and, and probably in a way sticking up for, for Matt, mm-hmm. you know, which is fine. So they're the worst team in the league. I don't think anybody knows what the Chicago Bears are right now. Yeah, it's impossible to say. I I don't know if they're good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know what the, what they're going to do, what the team is, and I'm not, and I'm sure as hell not going to make uh, or have an opinion off of the preseason games mm-hmm. because you know that's you know when they get into the game, it's it's vanilla one versus vanilla one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically trying to find out who can play football and who can't play football with your young guys. Mm-hmm. But your your play insulate or your play calls, your game plan, if you want to call the game plan in the preseason, is is nil. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a question here from Cliff, and it's a, a big open ended question. Uh, let me put it up on the screen. What has impressed you the most in, during these last few weeks, the last few months? And I'll, I'll make it even broader, you know, whether it's something somebody said or the reports that you're hearing about a player or anything at all that you're saying watch out for this or i really like when this guy said this or or whatever give us give us an idea of how your brain works <laughs> yeah because i'm not there from the outside looking in that they all seem to be getting on the same page yeah that that's been so impressive to me too and that they've all bought into there's no need to panic you know when the ball is on the ground or anything like that uh and the defensive players are all 
uh, well, defensive and offensive players have all been very, very complimentary about the culture that's being put in. Eddie Jackson talked about it. He, he, he said a lot of very positive things about this new coaching staff, and he's an integral player. In fact, uh, Greg, can you, you know, we're, all of us fans are upset at Eddie Jackson because he's missed some tackles and has made some mistakes here. But last year you talked about his value to this team. Can you please share with uh, share that again with us? Oh, he, he was the leader in the defensive backfield. He had a, you know, somebody's got a direct traffic, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he was the guy that did that. Now, yeah, I, I, I don't think, and I'm just, I'm reading between the lines here, is – Listening to him during this whole off-season program, mm -hmm. I don't think he was really buying into the way he was used the last couple of years. Mm. Interesting. Versus the way he was used when Vic was here. Right. Right. You know, there was there was a difference in in, in how the safeties were used, and uh, he he didn't think that it was being he he was not being used to his strengths. Mm -hmm. And and now, could that be an excuse? Yeah, it could. Uh, but when you see the, you know people are interested when you, you just listen to their voices and you look listen for the excitement in their voices. Mm -hmm. And when he talks, he's got some excitement in his voice. Mm. Yeah. You know, so he, he likes, uh, what they're doing and and who's not going to like this defense and i'll tell you what now now you know having been around this defense for a long time there's a lot of pressure put on the safeties yes now Fluce, you know again he i keep saying 101 to 303 or 404 <laughs> you know so when lovey was here there's a shitload of pressure put on on the safeties and and bobby DePaulo, who was a pro director used to say we got to have two pro bowlers back there for this thing to run right. And and that may be very true now, but I know Fluce is, is you know, runs it differently than Lovey ran it. And I'm not saying it's any easier because he's actually got a more complex defense and he does more with it, but there might not be as much pressure put on the safety. I got to wait, you know, when we start seeing games. Yeah. And seeing games for real, not, not preseason where they're just going to be playing some base coverages. Vanilla stuff, yeah. One of the things that was intriguing when Eddie Jackson met the media and he was asked about uh, Jaquan Brisker is uh, I really love the way he flies around. He's got uh, all sorts of skills, and he tells me he likes to play in the box. And his eyes lit up as he was saying that. And one of the reporters did a follow-up and say, that – that uh, helps you play better because don't you believe that you are better at that center field position? And uh, Eddie Jackson said, absolutely. Now you can't have your uh, one safety always play in the box and one, one guy always in center field because it becomes too predictable for guys like Aaron Rodgers. But if you get like the if Brisker is used like Adrian Amos was used under Vic Fangio, and Eddie Jackson is used under Vic Fangio. Well, it's, a, it's a different scheme. Number one, it was a three-four yeah. versus a four-three. Yeah, and so your your coverage situations are different. But and I got to go back and 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 we talked about this last week or the week before. I got to go back and and look at Colts tape from the last couple of years to see exactly how he played the safeties, mm -hmm. but. When we were playing this defense before under Lovey, mm -hmm. we didn't, and, and I had mentioned this, we didn't have safeties up in the box that often. 
you know, some down and, and distant situations could dictate what you were doing. But a lot of times, I mean, they were back and they were playing in coverage and they were very, very important in coverage. Interesting. So, you know, until I see exactly what they're doing, like I said, I, I should spend some time and uh, look at some Colts defensive tape and, and, and really count the times that you see a, a, a safety playing up close to the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the 49ers are doing. They're looking at Colts tape because they've got no tape on the Bears, the defense. Well, that, and that, 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 that's the advantage the Bears are going to have in week one and really week two. Yeah. There's no tape. So they're going to study Indianapolis defense and Green Bay offense. But that doesn't mean you're going to see Green Bay's offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the terminology is going to be Green Bay's offense. But Justin Fields isn't. Aaron Rodgers, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I, I think Getsy is smart enough to figure out he's going to do what he can do best with Justin Fields and not force him into doing what Aaron Rodgers could do. So there's going to be similarities to Green Bay, but being that Getsy is, has, you know, never called the down, never called the, the plays, never made the game plan. At Green Bay, that's an advantage of the Bears because San Francisco doesn't know what the hell they're going to do, mm -hmm. other than they they know the scheme. And on defense, it's a, it, you know it, it'll be closer on the defensive side, and that you know that now they're not going to have a three technique like like the Colts have. They got Buckner, you know Buckner's like a bigger version of Tommy Harris. Yeah, so you're not going to have that, right. um, but. The rest of the line, I think, is is very, very comparable. And Roquan is going to be similar to uh, Leonard from um, from the Colts as far as the Will linebacker. Um, they, uh, I remember the first year Flus was there, the Colts were struggling in the secondary. I think this secondary is better than what the Colts had that first year Flus was there. Mm-hmm. Um, got a question for you about week three of the season. It'll be Lovey Smith coming into town, his Texans team versus the Chicago Bears. Are you going to be conflicted about who you're going to root for, your old buddy? No, <laughs> no. I don't know. I got, you know, my, my buddy Pep. <laughs> That's right. He's offensive coordinator. You know, right. and, and Pep and I are, are, are pretty tight, and I, I – might have told you, I might have said it on here, you know, when Pep was being interviewed mm -hmm. for the OC job, and I think he knew he wasn't going to get it because they were looking for a particular thing, and his and Pep's offense is not similar to Green Bay's mm -hmm. offense. It's, it's entirely different. But, you know, Pep called me, and he said, you know, he, he wanted to run down on the Bears players, mm -hmm. you know, the offensive players. I wrote up every single freaking offensive player for him. For that interview so he could you know at least have a bait and gave it to him ahead of time so he can at least have a basis on knowing what they had here and knowing what was good and what wasn't good yeah because he he was out of the nfl for a year or two right beforehand and might well he was he was um at, he was at michigan right as the offensive coordinator and then he was um in the xfl last year he was with houston Oh, that's right. Okay. He was. he was a quarterback coach at Houston. Gotcha. And the year, in fact, the year before that, he was the quarterback coach at 
uh, with the Chargers mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. and uh, Herbert's uh, first year. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we have done an outstanding job here on this episode on Thursday. What is it? Uh, June 16th, uh, Talking Bears. Any other thoughts that you want to share before uh, we pull the plug on this episode? I'm going to finally play golf next week. I haven't played yet. Oh, nice. Where are you playing? Where am I playing? Um, White Deer Run. Oh, nice course. You know where that is? I, 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 it's in uh, Libertyville. Yeah. Or no, not really Libertyville. It's uh, Vernon Hills. It's right on the edge of Vernon Hills, Libertyville. South yeah. part of Libertyville, north part of Vernon Hills. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a tough course, if I recall correctly. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, it's where the, the, um, development it's it's part of is greg's landing okay who do you got for the u.s open nobody no. i've watched some of it I, I i love watching the u.s open though because you, i mean that that's it's a, it's it's not a player versus player it's player versus golf course absolutely you throw it in you you hit it into the rough it's gonna it might take you a day to get out of there oh there was a did you see the shot Rory had on on the he tried to drive the green on the um, short. Uh, there, there's a couple short par fours in that course, and so he was got caught up in the rough right at the the lip of the bunker alongside mm-hmm. the green. That's where mm-hmm. drive was, yeah. and you know he he tried to get it out, but he couldn't. And you know he ended up, you know he thought he's in position could drive the the green and be a position for a birdie ends up paring the hole it's it's miraculous that he ended up paring the hole because Mm -hmm. that that lie was just horrendous but that's what happens when you get a you know u.s open setup you you could be in some tricky stuff i think it was kepka right before i came in here to do this Mm -hmm. he was i i it might have been somebody else but i i mean we're talking knee-high rough Mm. you know the real long stuff and he tries to hit out of it, and the ball goes straight left and lands on the tee box like <laughs> 90 degrees to his left instead of where it was supposed to go. Ah, that sounds like me playing golf. Yeah, they, yeah the U.S. Open sets up those golf courses so that the, they, they want the winner to be at around even par. You know, they don't want anybody to shoot under. <laughs> in a few seasons that they've had the U.S. Open and players, a bunch of players have, have been under par. It's like they get angry and the next season they find a tougher course. or so. Well, no, if, if you eat up the golf course, they ain't going back to that one. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great tournament to watch. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Did you see – was there any reaction to Phil Mickelson and some of the other players? Because uh, I heard they were going to get – heckled by fans did you see any more no i i i know in the um practice sessions Mm -hmm. he was getting cheered left and right oh good okay uh but he was struggling he was like five over in six holes Mm -hmm. first six holes he was really and he would know what he was struggling with is usually his best club the putter Mm -hmm. interesting he he couldn't put these greens the same and these greens are really fast so like ice (laughs) it's like it's like a puck going uh, across the ice all right greg we'll hit them straight all right uh are we doing this you're here next week are we doing this next week yeah i'd like to uh what should we do next Uh, wide receivers and uh tight ends we can do yeah let's do wide receivers and tight ends so uh quarterbacks might as well throw that in i mean that one's real tough 
I love it. Uh, and then uh, hit me up and let me know what day you'd like to do it, and we'll promote it. And I will have a new open for you to watch uh, the uh, next time we do the show. Sounds good. All right, brother. Take care. Okay, buddy. Later. And take care to everybody watching this live. And don't forget, this show is available, archived on YouTube. And uh, and you can go to the playlist and, and find all of Greg's previous episodes. And the same thing if you do with, if you want to listen to just the audio portion of the show. Take and care. Ben, ben says hello to you. Ah, what a great dog. What, what was the breed again? You told me it's not a Labrador. It, it is what? <laughs> He's a mutt. He's a mutt. He looks like a lab, doesn't he look like he a lab? He really does. He really. I mean, we got him. I mean, there's always half lab. He's a lab next. Sure, he was. We did the DNA. You know how much lab he's got? Zero percent. Zero. Wow. I'm surprised because he really looks like a lab. No, he, and the main thing he's got is mastiff. Now you saw how big he is. Yes. You know, thick he is. Thick he is, and and yeah, uh, but mastiff. I mean, this is hilarious. Mastiff and cocker spaniel. I would have oh. liked to, I would have liked to see that or maybe I wouldn't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, not a sight I I don't want to see that <laughs> Tell them I said hi and we'll uh, see you next week and goodbye okay. everybody <laughs> later